The early church broke bread together. There's some obvious connotations there, and there's some deeper meanings that might have implications for us as we, the church, attempt to, to get back to the roots of our early beginnings and discover what all richness there is in being a part of this amazing body of Christ together. So the most obvious connotation of breaking bread together is that they ate a meal. Uh, there's something to be said about that. I don't want to be flippant about the fact that they really, I'm sure, did have many meals together. It kind of crosses the lines between fellowship and breaking of bread, however, in those pillars of the early church. But there's just something to be said about sharing food. I don't know what it is, <laughs> um, but there's no doubt that I, I've got a friend on our on our Friday mornings, my prayer group, who's always asking for a Fiesta Friday. And, and we pick at her about it from time to time because generally we just go in there and we pray. But we do. We really enjoy each other's company. And we like hearing about uh, the struggles and the, and the stories and the, and the cool stuff that God's doing in each of our lives. And so there's something to be said about just enjoying the fellowship that we share. But we meet at like 8 in the morning. And so the idea of having food, you know, um, it's just kind of funny that we it has to be a fiesta. It has to be some sort of food involved with it. But that's... It's, it's like a lubricant for conversation for some reason. We do this in one of my Bible study classes too. There's just something about having food that makes people relax and, and enjoy each other and, um, I don't know, find ways to connect that they might not have before over a meal. And so there is a beauty in the fact that I'm, I'm sure that early church, uh, as either a part of the fellowship that they shared or the bread that they broke in each other's homes, there was a fellowship over meals that happened on a regular basis. And so there's that obvious connotation that says the early church, they did life together, they talked over meals, they just enjoyed each other's company in every season of their day. But then there's a deeper meaning there. In the original language, the, it says the breaking, they broke bread together, or they enjoyed the breaking of bread together. And the connotation there in breaking, it literally means to break, but in numerous points in Scripture, it implies the breaking of the sacramental bread. This is a picture of the Lord's Supper. And so they enjoyed the sacrament of the Lord's Supper together. And so this is a whole nother realm of what the early church did. And I, and I freely confess that I have really, I've gone through a, a wide array of, of questions and thoughts about what it means to break bread together. What does it mean across, across borders and denominations, races and nationalities, what does it mean to share sacraments together? I mean, we even have differing ideas um, across denominations about which sacraments to do when and how often and all of these things. But there has to be some core that says, uh, I share these special things with you. And so I've, I've run the gamut, quite frankly, on, on exactly what it means that the early church did this together as a part of the core of who they were. In the midst of all of my thoughts on the topic, God had one word for me. And as it so happens, it is what I often say is my favorite word in all of Scripture. And it's the word remember. Typically, when, uh, when the Lord's Supper is offered at my church, which I'm even puzzled by that a little bit, that communion or the Lord's Supper, it always happens in my own life in the context of a church function. You know, we do this on Palm Sunday, or some churches do this every single Sunday, but we always do this 
as part of like a church service, which in and of itself, I thought if we were if we were going to try to share the sacraments together across borders and using different means, then how odd it would be to literally take bread and wine or juice or whatever it is you'd use, you know, in our own little places and and share that sacrament together just to just to prepare it for myself seems strange to me. So this is this is all new ideology that I'm that I'm trying to ponder and think through and find some enlightenment on. But when the Lord's Supper is offered at my church, when I take part in that, it occurs to me that for the most part, I find that to be a very private thing. I typically do that with hundreds of other people in the same room, and yet it's almost as if I make it a point not to look around, not to be mindful of the fact that there are people sitting next to me. It's as if it's an introspective thing. You know, the Lord's Supper was was Jesus' own design, and it was His command to tell us to do this in remembrance of Him on a regular basis and um, to be mindful. And so it's almost as if I really have to engage with Him very purposefully, very intentionally, in order to see in those sacraments the beauty of the offering that they represent for me. And so I'm, I'm deeply introspective as I, as I partake of this sacrament, and it it's almost sacrilegious in my mind to look around and impede on other people's private moments. But the one word, remember, it, it applies to me particularly. I am to remember. When I, take, when I take the sacraments myself, that is a way of remembering what has been done for me, remembering the love that propelled that, remembering the depths that I had, to which I had fallen, remember the heights to which I am now called to rise, There's a lot of remembrance that happens in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. But we do do this in communion. We already do this in in community with other people. And so why did the early church think that this was such a pivotal and uh, foundational element of the church, of the body of Christ and and the community that is made here? It shouldn't surprise me that God is able to accomplish multiple things in one in one fell swoop. Just recently, it occurred to me, I was reading through uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about the different parts of the body and how the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you, or the hand to the leg or whatever, it says, I don't need you. And I've always read it the way he wrote it. You know, I need to respect your position, um, and you need to respect my position. And we all, it even goes so far as to say those, those more private parts of the body, they need to be respected for the, for the humility that is required there and for like the demure temperament that, that comes through in those different roles. And so he talks about how we think about other people who encompass different parts of the body. But only recently did it occur to me that I also have to do that, not just with other people, but with myself. Not only can an eye not say to an ear, I don't need you, but an ear doesn't need to think to itself, they don't need me. And so there's this duality in God's word. There's, there's always something more than just what the obvious, the obvious thing that jumps out at you. All the way down to breaking of bread usually means have a meal together. And yet there's a deeper meaning. God is almost never just the clear and obvious thing and nothing deeper, nothing more. 
And so when we look at the sacraments and what it means to remember as I take part in the Lord's Supper, that doesn't just mean I am to remember what was done for me. But I also believe that in the context of the church, it means I am to remember that he did this for you too. We are to do this together. I am to look across. And when I remember what has been done for me, when I remember the 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 depths of the love that drove him to give everything that I might become his child, that I might enjoy this relationship with him, then I look across the room and I stop, and I stop this introspective thing that says, this is about me and the Lord and my holy huddle here. And it's just, how many things, like in thinking about it now, I'm like, how, how many things does he ever say, this is just about me and you? It's almost never. And yet for whatever reason, the sacrament of communion has always been that way for me. It has always been me and the Lord, me and Jesus, me identifying with him, me remembering his sacrifices, me remembering what he's done for me, me remembering where it is he's taken me from and where he's wanting to take me to. It's always been about me and him, despite the obvious fact that I did it with other people. It's, it's fascinating to me that this never occurred to me before. But when I'm sitting there remembering how very lost and destitute I was prior to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ on my behalf, and I look across the room and there is somebody that looks totally different for me and whose life I cannot relate to and whose, whose story and whose personality, whose temperament, whose everything about them is just not natural to me. If I'm remembering these things to be true of myself as I'm pondering and pensive over the, the reality of Christ's sacrifice for me, and I see, I see that soul who is so different than me, then those two worlds collide and I realize I'm not the only one he loves that much. I'm not the only one that he was willing to give it all for. I'm not the only one who isn't now what I was then. I'm not the only one who's been called to this amazing life of, of infinite peace and blessings and joy. I'm not the only one who is being carved into his image every single day, falling a million times over and failing him in a million different ways, but nonetheless bearing the image of the Savior that I'm remembering at that very moment, striving to become more of him, being disciplined in, in my everyday life as my thoughts, my actions, my attitudes, my desires, shaping them, allowing him to, to chisel and mold and cut deep to the quick of me in hopes that I might better model him. I look across the room and I see that soul who looks different. I look across that border. I look across the, the, the racial divide and I see you looking just like me. You're a broken soul saved by grace. But for the sacrifice of our Savior, there is no blood but my own that could have been spilled to pay the debt I owed. And even then, I wouldn't have been able to live to be something better. The sacraments are about, about remembering. And when I remember what's true of me, and I look to the core of who I am and all I see and all I want is more Jesus, a greater expression of the Holy Spirit, a flame that doesn't just 
flicker. It blazes. There's a connection between you and I. As we say, the thoughts in my mind and the remembrances and the brokenness that I feel and the gratitude that I'm overwhelmed with, I know you can identify with that. And I think there was just this beautiful picture of humility that happened in that early church when people from all walks of life, you had had the females and the males. That was probably weird anyway. Men and women sharing a table, breaking this bread, enjoying this sacrament, feeling this connectedness. But you had people who were Jews and Gentiles. You had people who were working class and hard laborers. You had people who were well-trained and you had people who were philosophers and they spent their whole day just thinking and talking. You had other people who were these amazing craftsmen, blacksmiths who made amazing things. You had women who sold fabric. You had this wide array of individuals who came around the same table together and there must have been such a sense of humility in saying, I came here broken. I came here lost and destitute. I came here useless of my own accord. I came here dead in my sins. I came here with absolutely nothing to offer. And yet I look around the table and I hope that you realize I'm not what I used to be. I hope that you can see his image borne out in my, in my very expression, in my actions and attitudes and the love that I show for you. And I'm praying that you see more of him than you see of me. And as I look across that table, hoping you see that of me, I realize that I can see that in you. And I'm encouraged by who you used to be that I I see so, so small a vestige of anymore. And I'm driven to become what I see you are now. And I'm encouraged that it can happen. And through this sacrifice, which was perfectly sufficient for not only the sins I'd already committed, but the ones I'd the ones I'll do again tomorrow. And so it put them on even footing. It is often said that the ground beneath the cross is all level. There are no pedestals. There are no people who who sit at other people's feet or knees. There are no thrones there. We are all on even footing. And when we sit to enjoy the sacrament of communion, we're reminded of that truth. We're reminded of the day his body was broken on our behalf. We're reminded of what it looked like, even if it's just in our mind's eye, what it looked like to see blood trickling down his forehead. We're reminded of what it looked like to have just this pool of blood caked at his feet and to see the washed out look on his face where all the blood had run just run. And I realized how very broken, how very broken I was, and how very broken he allowed himself to be so that I could be full again. And that's where you and I, we lock eyes in the sense of connection to the emotional draw of the moment. The amazing connection we have as as two souls who both know how lost we were and who are overwhelmed by how found we are. And in that moment, you and I, I don't see a face. I don't see a nationality. I don't hear a 
a language. I don't see a gender. I see a soul. I see a soul that looks just like mine, both in the depths of its depravity and in the heights of its grace and hope. I have come to believe that this particular pillar of the early church is absolutely foundational. It is the core on which every other one can be built, as a matter of fact. Fellowship looks different if I don't believe you and I are the same. If we sit down to share a meal together or we, we offer up our prayer requests or we sit down to teach, then, then we're all just students here. And when it comes to the sacrifice that was sufficient for us, sad and true as it is, we're all takers. We're all takers of the grace that was so freely offered and the gift that was so humbly given. And so fellowship looks a little bit different when I know that you're not that different from me. And your life, your core, it looks just like mine. And so there, you're not on some pedestal and nor do I need to believe that I could be. And because of this particular pillar, all of the others are put in a position to thrive because it's within the remembrance. It's within the, the context of this pillar that we're all on even footing, that we all come to a place where one is no better than the other. And your life may be different and your prayer requests may sound different and yours might sound trivial to mine or mine to yours, but they're yours and it's your life and it's your struggle and you're just as, just as worthy as I am or just as unworthy as I am. You're just as broken and you're just as saved. It's what makes us family. It's what makes us brothers and sisters. It's what makes us equals here. And so I believe that this sacrament is, this pillar is, is just fundamental. And learning to see each other as fellow parts of one contiguous body. As far as how we do this together and what, what it might look like, I can say that the next time communion is offered at my church, I will show up for it. And I will enjoy that, that sweet and tender private moment with the Lord. But I will lift my eyes and I will look around the room and I won't see faces and I won't search out Differences. I will find myself broken at the connections. I find it weird to think of having communion um, not in a church setting. I have to confess to that. But I'm also drawn to the idea that there are a lot of people who don't have a church setting. Communion is this wonderful and sweet and humbling thing. And if you live in a town that doesn't have churches, where if there are just a few people in your whole country that would even go to one, where do you get to enjoy this thing that Jesus has commanded us? Do you have your own little communions? Do you sit at a meal and you, and you ponder the darkness of your wine and you envision 
You envisioned taking in that which was offered to you. Accepting the blood that was shed on your behalf. And do you do that alone? I don't know how it could work together. I really don't. But I think it'd be a beautiful thing if we could figure it out. There are lots of things that I don't know about how to connect. There are a good bit of ideas, and some of them have already proven to be lousy. (laughs) But I know that if I could go back in time and I can sit across one of those tables, and I could look around and, and see the woman who's really rich because she's been selling purple fabric and the guy who talks philosophy and theology all day long in front of crowds and I can see the man whose nails are so dirty because he has been working in a shop all day and I can look into the eyes of the woman who's probably had very few conversations with men outside of her family and I could share this moment I just have to believe that the camaraderie that I would feel would be about as close as I can get to what I'll experience in that throne room in heaven. When I look into the faces of people I know who have a heart just like mine. And so let's figure it out. And in the meantime, let's appreciate. Let's appreciate what was done. Let's remember with a, with a broader vantage point. Let's humble ourselves, not only before the Lord, but before one another. That sacrifice was offered for me, and I'm not who I used to be. But as I envision each of you in my mind's eye, I'm so emboldened that neither are you. You're not who you used to be. And you are something beautiful. And the love that compelled him to make that ultimate sacrifice for me is the same love that compelled him to have done it just for you. Remembrance is a beautiful thing that God calls us to on a regular basis. And I'm praying that each of us has a moment, whether it's over bread and wine today, or it's just in the quiet moments of our morning. We find ways to remember who and whose we are.